Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest vodcast. And this one is a kind of a just a terrific one. I think you can sit back, listen, and probably re-listen. Lessons learned from leaders and legends outside of radiology. And just a quick uh, understanding for everyone what this is. I've run the speaker series at Hopkins for the past four years now. We're about to start our fourth year or fifth year, depending how you look at it. And we've had 23 different speakers. It's all people who are from outside of radiology and really stars in their field. And what they come to do is spend a day with us, and we try to learn from what they're doing, how we can improve what we do, particularly in terms of patient care and our whole operation at Hopkins. Many of you have seen some of these articles because you're gonna see from the references, they're all in the JACR, Journal of American College of Radiology. We've been publishing them there. And uh, Bruce Hillman, under who's the editor and under his direction, has really encouraged us to submit them. And I think they are really terrific. Each of the articles uh, lists what the speaker said or discusses what the speaker said. And then we, at the end, translate that a little bit into radiology and what we learn from each speaker. And so what I thought I would do for you today is go over five of our speakers from the last year and go through some of the highlights of what they said and things that I personally take to heart or I try to take to heart. Okay, and I'll tell you a little bit about each speaker. Jenny Abramson uh, was just unbelievable. She's a founder and managing partner of Rethink Impact, which is an investment company. And she invests, she's a venture capitalist and invests only in companies with women leadership or they don't need to be necessarily the CEO, but they're near the top. Her mom was a venture capitalist and she just has tremendous understanding and tremendous vision of where things are going. And she spoke a lot about a topic that's so practical now, this idea about diversity. And you saw in the newspaper all of this craziness at, uh, at, um, at the car companies, at Uber, and just even articles about Google recently and about many other companies and the challenges. But she made the point the success of gender-diverse teams isn't true just in companies, but also on boards. When there's a high representation of women on board of directors, companies have more meetings, have a higher attendance rate, experience greater participation in decision-making, engage in tougher monitoring, and more likely to replace CEOs when the stocks perform poorly. So what she was saying is, with women on the board, companies do better. Now, one of the challenges, and she's very honest, it, there is a challenge because you know, you're investing, so she's an investor. Uh, she represents a lot of people who trust their money with her, so she needs to have a good return on investment. And whether you're white or black, whether you're a woman or a man, whether you're from the US or from India or China or anywhere else, she only can invest in you if you're gonna return that investment many fold over. But she made the point is that when you're investing, what you try to do is, and you think about things that you've been successful with. And so when you think about, when you combine this concept of pattern recognition, that means if someone's wearing a hoodie, think Zuckerberg, you must be successful with the fact that fewer than 6% of people making investment decisions at venture firms are women, it's not surprising that venture capitalists might often overlook female entrepreneurs in their attempt to unearth the next big thing. So really, in some sense, is unconscious bias. She also makes the point, being realistic, you know, 70% of consumer spending decisions are made by women, and even higher when it comes to healthcare, and two-thirds of all the wealth in the U.S. will be controlled by women by 2030. 
If you don't have women participating in strategy and product making decision, one could argue you're leaving money on the table. So really, even if you don't feel like having women on your board, you better do it or being involved with women in your senior management. At the end of the day, it's just good business. Forget that it's the right thing to do. It's just good business. And although these data and experience are clearly focused on venture capital, she made the point that many of these findings apply to other sectors, including radiology and healthcare, where pattern recognition both is the key to success, but also a significant risk in having you overlook quality people. And when we thought about it in terms of diversity, specifically gender diversity, our profession does lag behind other medical specialties. Survey by the ACR in 2014 showed that women constitute 22% of radiologists, and a figure that's not changed in a decade if you look at this coming year. And it's interesting, the fact that women now account for more than half of all medical students, they make up less than 25% of radiologists. And it's really hard to figure out why that's the case. I think radiology is great for women. I think it's great for men. But for whatever reason, women are not going into radiology. And perhaps creating a radiology workplace that is attractive to women will be a major step forward in the recruitment process. As Ms. Abraham states, if we can recruit and retain a more diverse workforce, will be rewarded with a more successful department with greater ability to realize our full potential. So it's amazing uh, everything she said is particularly amplified in the current environment. Another speaker we had last year was Anna Griffith, who's Senior Vice President, Corporate Marketing for CA Technologies, one of the biggest tech companies in the world. And she really told a story in fact, she spoke about the power of brands in business and life. And she made the point, in my field of marketing, stories are often more important than hard facts because a brand or a company's story shape its reality. I believe a company's destiny follows its story. Companies that want to increase their market share and change their destiny need to share their story, but you need to have a good story, not just of a business, not just of a product, but as a feeling. And think about, I'm giving this talk the day after Apple's announcement of the iPhone 8 and 8 Plus and 10. There's no better company than Apple that's not just selling you a product, they're selling you a lifestyle, they're selling you a story, they're selling you their entire process. And in fact, Anna was one of the people who worked early on Apple products. And she did make the point that a company's story is not just a vehicle to sell, but also can be used to humanize the customer's relationships with the organization. Some campaigns, she noted, have focused on sharing the personality of the company's employees, which transforms the customer's view from a corporation to a consortium of talented, engaging individuals. The company is personalized by introducing the people who drive its operations rather than divisions. And again, think about the ads you see on TV that are successful. It's touching the people, not showing a thousand people or a whole big factory that really gets your attention. And she made the point that although patient selection of radiology departments is often limited, departments because of insurance, obviously, we all have this issue, but departments can offer potential patients unique insight into the people that provide the imaging services through storytelling video clips. 
Radiology is often perceived as an impersonal specialty because we've not traditionally provided direct patient care. Practices that can demonstrate the character of their faculty and staff will provide potential existing patients with the reassurance of a positive patient experience. And that's just so true. Just having a good report, whatever the word good report means, is great, but it's not enough. You need to be showing who indeed you are from the front desk to the technologist to the radiologist to everybody who works in that department. And the same thing is we compete for the best residents and fellows, and everybody has CT and MR, and everyone can say they're the best, but people now talk about if I choose this place or this job, whether it's a good fit. Web-based resources that tell the story of life within a department can be very effective. And in fact, after Anna left, uh, Pam Johnson and Karen Horton put together a video uh, that shows the department in a different light. It shows the humanity, not just how many scanners and how many boxes and how many square feet we have and how much our research money is, but really who the department is telling the story of how other successful trainees have gone on to become leaders in the field is a powerful draw because it can become the applicant's story. And that's a very, very important point. And we conclude a radiologist's practice success hinges on attracting the best staff and providers. Recruitment campaigns should create marketing materials that incorporate images and video to best convey the character and mission of the organization. People want to be part of an organization that has an important mission. And again, you're not going to be the highest paying person or highest paying institution most of the time, but people want to be part of something important. You know, when you think about missions, NASA to the moon, Apple, Google, NVIDIA, you know, you're on a mission from God. You know, there's some super magic in the process that makes people want to be there. Another speaker we have, just an incredible visionary, is Keith Grossman, who was at Bloomberg in charge of media. And Keith really spoke about change management, and his expertise is in many things, but how do you run a company, and how do you change culture, and how do you make sure the culture meets your needs? And he also makes the point that in the field he's in, which is in media, so much is changing. And you need to be able to have people recognize that change is a constant and how do you deal with change. Coping with change is an intrinsically difficult part of the human experience, particularly in the business world. Although there are some who certainly enjoy change, it is undoubtedly true that the vast majority of leaders in the business world dread change as a result of its intrinsic unpredictability. Winston Churchill once said that difficulties mastered are opportunities won, although actually bringing oneself to make these changes in the face of adversity, particularly when running a business that is currently successful, can be quite difficult. And this is very, very important. It's easy to make changes in a failing company, but it's much harder to bring oneself to make changes in a thriving business as a result of impending or even theoretical changes about to affect the marketplace. And this is really true. If you stay still, you're gonna be run over. Either you're moving forward or you're moving backwards. You can't be standing still. John Kennedy, our member, has this great quote that the time to fix the roof is when it's sunny out, not when it's raining. And that's probably a very good way of thinking about it. 
And we all know the same thing. If things are going well, you say, why change it? It's going so well. But you recognize that the world is changing around you. And unless you're moving forward, you're not going to succeed. We know many companies think about them. The companies that made Kodak. Kodak was the greatest company in the world. Polaroid, one of the greatest companies in the world. These were the companies in the 50s and the 60s, 70s even. They were the leaders. Now, you don't even know, you never heard of that company. Specifically, current customers of successful businesses are usually happy with the service they receive and are unlikely to perceive or understand changes in the marketplace that may be coming in the future and are unlikely to be happy with any abrupt changes brought about by the incumbent business. On the other hand, new entrants into the market, unencumbered by the expectations of any current customers, are more likely to make the dramatic changes needed to respond to a constantly changing market. Absolutely. Think Amazon. Amazon didn't exist. Now it's the biggest company. Now all of those classic companies, Macy's, Bloomingdale's, Kroger's, all of those companies, Sears, JCPenney, the companies that were the companies are going bankrupt. Okay? As people running businesses, you have to figure out whether you want to be actively engaged at the center of the fight or simply a bystander in the initial stages. Although there may be some first mover advantages in some cases, Keith mentions, it's not always critical or even preferable that you necessarily be a leader in driving change within your industry. And sometimes staying on the sidelines and figuring out how things are going might be preferable. So you don't need to always be first, but you need to be paying attention. Being a leader in the time of change requires that you define your North Star or the fundamental aspects of the goals of your businesses and then work backward to figure out the best step forward. Every decision you make should you bring you closer to that North Star. Once you make a decision, have the courage to own that decision, be confident and knowledgeable, be able to articulate your message. Although being confident in your decisions is important, continually stress test the reality of your decisions and be prepared to change course if things are not working out. So again, change is an active process. It's not like the president or CEO sends a memo out to change these things. It's a dynamic process. And Keith really made the point. He was talking about evaluations of people based on what he said in our department. In diagnostic, I have a different evaluation system for our staff that I believe is much fairer, much easier to understand, but we're constantly trying to figure out what works best. And you know, when we think back about everything Mr. Grossman said, we found particularly important his stressing the idea that making necessary changes sometimes means temporarily ignoring the short-time complaints of your customers, many of whom like the things the way they are. Remember, Henry Ford said if he asked his customers what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. He knew you needed a car. And this is particularly true in our field in which changes, medicine that is, um, may affect not only our patients but our referring physicians. We went to PACs. We went to you know, things like Epic or electronic records, some people liked everything on paper. They wanted everything facts and they wanted films. Times change. Perhaps in this time of rapid change in our industry, when changes may be required of us on a seemingly constant basis, consistently maintaining communication with our referring physicians and patients about the rationale behind their decisions might be critical as we go forward. And not only is with our patients and with our referring physicians, but with our staff. I notice many times decisions are made 
No one knows why the decisions were made. No one even heard about the decision, and it affects all sorts of people, okay? You can't be making decisions just on the fly. It needs to be a strategy, and Keith really spoke about strategy, and I'm trying to get Keith to come back. Keith always recommends incredible people to me to speak, but I'm trying to get Keith to come back and teach us some more. Um, now, I said I was going to talk about five speakers in this talk, but, you know, I'm kind of at that 17-minute mark, and I don't like to go past 15 to 20 minutes and not to rush through the last two speakers. What I'm going to do is next month come back and talk to you a little bit more. I'm going to speak to you about a couple other people, and we'll take it from there. So with that, have a great day, and see you on CTSS or see you on Facebook CTSS, or see you on Twitter CTSS, or see you on Instagram CTSS, or I'll see you in the hallways. Ciao, ciao, ciao. Bye.